Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Purple Podcast, the post-Vikings Saints edition. The Minnesota Vikings. Are you are you singing the school Vikings song, Judd? It's just like they were five and all. Do you remember how excited I was when this club was five and zero? I do remember. My that, excitement yes. is back. I am Pollyanna Judd right now. I believe you said that you were drinking the Kool-Aid at five and zero and believed in them last year as a Super Bowl contender. But that is in the past, Judd. And we here in football do not talk about the past. Never, ever, We only ever. talk about the future and the immediate past of what just happened. So the Minnesota Vikings win 29-19 to over the New Orleans Saints. Got a lot to talk about with this one. Adrian Peterson returns to Minnesota and doesn't do a whole lot. And, uh, of course, the defense strong as we expected. But maybe what we didn't expect was an outrageously good game from Sam Bradford. Judd, I did not buy into the New Orleans Saints saying that their defense was completely revamped and they were going to fix it. I assumed that they were still going to be pretty weak on defense. But for Sam Bradford (laughs) to go 27 for 32 with 346 yards and three touchdowns, that is probably his best career game. And a game that we would have expected that Drew Brees would do this to another team and not Sam Bradford, the key, Mr. Zolgad, to Sam Bradford's wonderful performance. Oh, I think there were a few things, um, but, but heck, let's start with this. The offense, Eureka, when you tailor your offense around your quarterback to play to his strengths as opposed to a veteran running back, guess what happens, Matthew Collar? It might work. Now, here's the thing. I, I was very impressed tonight. I also would caution, like you just did, I think, to say that despite uh, the uh, the attempt by John Gruden to tell us that the Saints' defense was going to be much better, it might not be. That being said, Sam Bradford picked apart the defense that he was assigned in week one. Good for him. But I really do believe uh, the, the offensive line held up decent, I thought, tonight. Did a nice job, right? The receivers were outstanding. Thielen had uh, 10 targets. He caught nine passes for 157 yards. Diggs had eight targets. He caught seven for 93 yards and two touchdowns and made some incredible catches. But it is amazing when you take a West Coast offense and you don't say to yourself, but you know what? We got Adrian Peterson and we need to fit him in. Instead, you say, 
How can we build this thing from the quarterback out? And that includes Dalvin Cook, who, by the way, 22 carries, 127 yards, a couple big carries late. But all these things go back to me to the fact that Pat Shermer has an offense that probably makes some sense. And that doesn't mean that there won't be adjustments made to it. And that doesn't mean that the Vikings aren't going to encounter defenses that are superior to the Saints. But I just liked the starting point of the game plan tonight. It made far more sense to me than I would say almost, almost anything that we saw last year, Matthew Collar. Real quick, before we go any farther, I just want to say I told you so a million times about the preseason. They didn't score in the preseason. The first team offense looked horrendous in the preseason. And none of that mattered because they came out and put on one of the best offensive performances in the NFL this week. So... Ha! Okay, except for I will say this back to you. Uh, th- what they also did tonight for, for the first time was they started these five guys together on the O-line, which they hadn't done, and that included their decision, which took some guts. It was a ballsy move to release Boone, your left guard. So, Because if you remember, my starting point, if I recall correctly, with this offense was, my God, the line looks bad. They agreed. So... I will give you that you're right, that the preseason didn't ultimately matter, but I do think it mattered that they said, we're going to have to make some tough decisions with this line, and they made them. And that doesn't mean this line's going to be great, but what we saw tonight was enough protection to allow Bradford to have a really good game. I think tonight I would give them a great grade. I think I would give them an A. Elfline, Elf I think, is really good. Elfline was fantastic. And you've been saying that. Yeah. yeah. To your oh, credit, well, right. you've been saying that. I mean, I say, I tell you what everyone's telling me with the Vikings, right? I mean, sure. we, we go to practice every day. We watch them during training camp, and he stuck out a lot to me in training camp, just as Delvin Cook did, who we'll get to. But Elfline, to me, won that job. He was very, very good in the, in the preseason games. When I went back and reviewed them, he was making really high-level plays, I thought. And it would have surprised me stunned me if he didn't win that job at center and you saw a lot of it why today I mean there's a screen pass where he's out there 15 20 yards down the field that's a center getting 15 20 yards down the field on a screen pass there were other plays there was an outside zone run play where he did his job but then was able to turn himself back the other way and seal off the defense those are difficult things for centers to do And he did it extremely well tonight. Now, he's not facing one of the top defensive lines in the league. So maybe the perfect opponent to get his first start against. But you saw why they were so high on Pat Elfline. And Mm -hmm. also, as another aside, this is why when we criticize GMs for a bad draft class, well, the next one might be good. And the 2016 class is still bad. And the 2017 class played a huge role in tonight's game. But. This offensive line protected Sam Bradford, I think, incredibly well. He didn't have to escape at all. He didn't take any big hits, really. got popped once on a 21-yard throw, which was an outrageous throw. He made some great throws tonight. That throw to Jarius Wright was absurd. Yes. But that was the only time I remembered him taking a hit. He got sacked once, kind of later on in the game, and that, that was it. I mean, there was a bogus holding call against Mike Remmers at one point that when we saw the replay, it was clear it shouldn't have been a holding call. Right. And for the rest of the time, Sam Bradford stood back there, 
let those long routes develop, and then made incredible throws. And it's something that we have said over and over and over and over again. Yep. But when this guy throws the ball down the field, he is as accurate and strong with the ball as anyone in the and, NFL. And what we have been asking to see is this. And, and what we've also been trying to weigh is how much of the decline of Bradford, especially after he made the four starts during the 5-0 start last year, were a result of offensive line problems because that offensive line was terrible. And I think we're all on the it's time for the excuses to end. But I think we're also saying this guy's arm is really good. And if this guy has enough time to operate, guess what? He can make throws. And he made some once again, and he did this early last year as well, on occasion, Collar, he made some outrageous throws tonight. I mean, Diggs made some great catches, but there were some throws made by Bradford where you just said, what? Wow. And so this, we need to see a lot more of this. But this is why when Bradford doesn't play well, it can drive you crazy because this is in him. He's got that arm. It's not like, it's not like he lacks the talent to do what, what he did tonight. So what I'm very curious to see is now can the protection hold up and can he continue to make these type of throws because he is capable of making them on a consistent basis. You know, something else that really helped tonight was Delvin Cook was very good in pass protection. There were a couple times where they sent an extra guy and he had to step up and pick up his man. On third down. And, and he did, yeah. Yes. And, and that was the thing that we talked about the most over the offseason with Bradford is could he make big plays in big situations? Could he convert on third downs and things like that? And they did that against New Orleans. Now, you after everything we say in these first few weeks, you're going to have to pump the brakes a little because it is a bad defense, and now next week the new, uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers bring in a much better defense. Absolutely. And they have a week of tape of what you're going to do. I wonder how much other teams are going to blitz because I didn't see a ton of blitzing from New Orleans tonight. There was a lot of four-man rushing, and that gave Bradford time to throw it down the field. It also gave time to two guys who I think are two of the better route runners in the league to get open. I mean, Diggs made the two contested catches, but he was wide open on another play and Thielen several times wide open and then made great adjustments to the ball. They weren't even perfect throws by Bradford on two of them by Thielen, but he just made spectacular throws. I mean, this was the, I think, definition on offense of just top to bottom. Excellent. There wasn't any area where they didn't perform at a very high level, and that includes Judd Delvin Cook who we talked a lot about, and this is the advantage for us to go out to training camp and watch them on a daily basis. This is a true number one running back. Do you think Peterson watched uh, from the sideline tonight when Cook was playing and said, man, this kid can do lots of things, including things I could never do, like pick up in pass protection? Now, Delvin Cook dropped one pass tonight, but for the most part, guess what? He played really well, and, and Latavius Murray, I think he'll last – the whole year i'm not positive now though he had what one carry tonight he had two it? carries two. for six yards and one fumble uh but delvin cook is a complete back i mean he has stepped in here in the first game of his rookie year and he can play on third down which i think was probably the question mark coming into this year he can play on third down he can catch enough certainly and he can pass protect and and but that's what i'm saying is what makes sense about this offense without getting too excited because I understand that things can change quickly. But what makes sense about this offense now is how it's built and structured. This offense is now built and structured for 2017 in many ways. And guess what? For the last three or four years, because of AP, it wasn't. 
it was structured for him, which when he was a superstar made perfect sense. But as he got to 30 and then the skills start to decline, it doesn't. So I just really like the starting point of, of when the Vikings sit down to game plan for games, they're not saying, how can we keep the back happy? They're saying this starts with, with the quarterback. And as long as we're setting him up to be successful, we're giving ourselves the best chance to win. Yeah. And going back to your Delvin Cook point, um, Latavius Murray. Yeah. I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to cause big problems. This is certainly a one and done situation with him. And I don't know how much of a role he's going to play at all because Jarek McKinnon, we saw it tonight. I like a lot what we saw from Jarek McKinnon. He ran the ball a couple times. He had one 10 yard run. He had a couple of nice catches, the 25 yard catch in the playmaker role that he will come in every once in a while and you get him the ball and he might do something. He didn't line up as a wide receiver tonight, but we might see that still. Yep. He, he is that perfect guy, and he showed that when Peterson was here, and he carried the load okay when Peterson was uh, gone in 2014. But I think he's an excellent side back, you know, especially on third downs. Darren need Sproles. To, yeah, right. If you need to just flip him the ball and get a play from there. Yes. Cook has shown us that he is everything that yeah. you want in a running back. And we set the expectation really high. I know for myself, I said more than once, like, I think this guy has legitimate star potential, and that's what you saw tonight. I don't know if he will continue to do that, but when I look at his skill set and how quickly he adapted to an offense, he had no problem pass blocking. When he came in, he had no idea how to pass block, and he picked up on it that quickly. That's the impressive thing. I think that shows you that his mental makeup, his smarts, are a huge part of his game. And now what you have is a running game that is complementing a passing game. And that is the first time you've heard that in Minnesota since 2009, Mm -hmm. right? That finally your running back is the one who finishes the game for you Mm -hmm. when you've gotten ahead through passing. And he's a guy that now defenses are going to have to pay a lot of attention to early in games. I noticed that the two big plays on the three-play 74-yard touchdown drive, two of those big plays are on play action. And that touchdown drive, by the way, was incredible. It really was. Because when you think about how this offense ran previously, guess what? You hand off once or twice in that series. And this time you didn't. Bradford came out and he went boom, 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 drive done. And I'd be very curious to go back and find out uh, the Vikings' last touchdown drive that went like that with just essentially three passes and touchdown. It's, well, it's the rare. The first drive against Houston last year here was similar to that. It was like a big throw to Thielen, and then there was the double move touchdown to Thielen. But it had that same sort of feel. And that's why you always do have to say, let's just look at it how it is. One really, really excellent game before we decide that, uh, like you said, they're going back to the Super Bowl. I'm with yes. Though I have a sense that if this is how it's going to be done, you know, our friend PJ Fleck talks about the process Right, it's an elite process, and Matthew. I believe the uh, 76ers became famous for talking yeah. about trusting the process. The process here, what you have with Bradford working the ball down the field more often, with Delvin Cook as an all-around back, with an offensive line that seems competent, that process is much more sustainable than last year's process of playing T.J. Clemmings, who could not play in yep. the NFL at all. Yep, and 
hoping for punt returns for touchdowns and things like that like they got in those and first defensive games. touchdowns. Now, now the one thing, to make perfectly clear, because it's the one thing that went sideways last year slowly but surely was injuries. I mean, that's the one thing. Yep. Be- because as much as we dumped on Khalil at left tackle and he wasn't good, guess what? He could have held up. TJ Clemmings had no chance. So provided these five guys stay healthy, I think you're going to be in decent shape. But that is the one, to be fair, that's the one factor that you can't control. And if you have Reef go out or something like that, it changes the dynamic potentially completely. So if this team can maintain a semblance of health, and guys are going to get hurt, I get that. But if they can maintain enough health, especially on the line, it's going to make an enormous impact. And last year we saw what happens when key guys start to go out. And as tough as this is to say, Matt Khalil was a key guy because his replacement was god-awful. And as far as I know, they came out of this first game completely healthy which is yeah, a, a big deal as they go to Pittsburgh. I'm going to read you some statistics, Judd, and I want your reaction to those statistics. All right. Six rushes, 18 yards, a long of nine, zero touchdowns, zero first down, zero anything else. Those are the statistics of one Adrian Peterson. Nine reaction. S- nine snaps. Nine snaps. Nine snaps. And keep in mind, uh, that rush of nine yards came on the Saints' first play from scrimmage. He then carried the ball on the second play from scrimmage and gained one yard for a first down. And after that, had four more touches. They threw him the ball once. And the new and improved pass-catching Adrian didn't catch the ball. Um, he's just near the end. I mean, you can say, well, it's week one. He'll be fine. But he's in a rotation now with three guys. I mean, the lasting image of this game is going to be Adrian Peterson on the sideline screaming at Sean Payton. And Adrian tried to, uh, to tell us in the postgame locker room that it was nothing, that he was suggesting something, that he didn't know what we were talking about. And guess what? He knew exactly. Adrian Peterson is a guy who's going to have a very difficult time, I believe, Matthew, accepting that his career is winding down. He's 32, and at some point in time, He's going to have to get that. If he doesn't, guess what? The Saints are going to get rid of him, and he'll go somewhere else, and it's going to be sad. Um, But I really saw this tonight as the unsurprising to me beginning of the end for a guy who's had a Hall of Fame career and a guy who's going to be remembered by the Vikings or as a great Viking player. But tonight shouldn't surprise us. Tonight he's There's two other backs. Camaro's a... Rookie, he's good. He's very good. Ingram is technically, I believe, if you look at the Saints' depth chart, he's one and Peterson's sort of like 1A or 1B. The point being, this is the beginning of the end for Adrian Peters. I think I had a little more for expectations for him in this game than to get nine touches, and I almost don't blame him for being a little upset. Oh, as I don't either. Poor as their surprised. offense was doing. I mean, it was very much like Ben don't break sort of thing. I mean, the Vikings in the red zone were exceptionally good. Or if you're on the other side, you might say the New Orleans Saints were exceptionally bad in the red zone. Uh, they ran three times in a row, couldn't punch it in at one point. It was surprising from them to not be able to get it in. I mean, they've got a quarterback who's thrown more than 30 touchdowns every year since 2008. Running? Why are you running so oh, much? I have no idea. I have no idea why they would run three times. It's not like they have Marshawn Lynch. No. 
No. The, and, and Peterson, I believe in the red zone, if I'm not mistaken, in all those chances was used once or twice. So they weren't trying to get him in. I have the Saints play calling in the red zone. I'm perplexed. Um, and, and, yes, I'm with you. I thought that Peyton, if he was ever going to use Peterson a lot in one game, this was it. But all of that being said, you, you can see it now. His use tonight, I think, is probably how the Saints expect to use him. He's going to hate that. But they're not necessarily wrong. The guy's 32. Mm-hmm. He missed all but, what, two games last year? Three games? And it's just this, this is why athletes like him going out is just sort of sad because they don't have the acceptance of, yeah, you know what? I'm a role player now, and if I'm going to stick around, that's my life. They still think, I'm Adrian Peterson. I'm the greatest right. of all time. So it's sort of sad. It's like um, a starting pitcher being asked to go to the bullpen, and they tell you, yeah, oh, yeah, sure. I'm very happy being the long reliever. Yep, oh, yeah, sure. But then as soon as someone else struggles in front of them, they want that spot, and then when they don't get it, they're upset or whatever other example that you want to think of. Right. He is not the type of player, and this is what we talked about over and over with him when the Vikings parted ways. He's not the type of player that can just accept that. He can't just slide into a role. No. He's got to be the guy, and you're right, the lasting image when they cut him eventually or whatever happens there with the Saints and Adrian Peterson, the lasting image will be him yelling at Sean Payton from behind him. And if you're Sean Payton, hey, I know you're Adrian Peterson, but you're playing nine plays. I have guys that I care a lot more about than you. (laughs) That's going to be a very difficult situation for Adrian Peterson. This is a guy who stood three feet from me not that long ago and said he was going to play seven more years. In the NFL, that's what he said. I know. He legitimately thinks in his mind that he is still a superstar, and no matter what he says, that's what he thinks. And how he could think that he was going to play for six, seven more years after this when he looks like he's got nothing left now really shows you the disconnect between Adrian Peterson and reality. He is delusional, and and he attempts as hard as he can to turn the storyline to what he thinks it should be or is, and it's often wrong. I mean, tonight he was trying to convince us time and time again that he was just telling Peyton to run a zone play. And then he's like, it's not a big deal. People make a big deal out of this stuff, and I've seen this before, and it's not. You know, people draw assumptions and conclusions, and it's, Adrian, the camera caught you yelling at your coach, and your coach, to your point, Collar, your, the coach in Peyton was walking away like, I'm trying to coach a bleeping game here. Would you quit yelling? I got two backs I like more than you. I signed you as almost a favor. So, yeah, it's just interesting that that Adrian, to his last day in this league, will always be trying to tell us what he perceives as his own truth, and therefore we, we should believe it. And it's like, no, no, I'm sorry, man. That's not – that. we're not buying it for one second. This went exactly kind of how I thought it would. I wrote an article that they liked Alvin Kamara probably more as an overall weapon. And even though Kamara didn't have a lot you're of right success. Again? Is that what trying to tell us? Y- yes. And you're Matthew welcome. Through- Every one of you. Ding, 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 ding. You're welcome. I probably said it on the last Purple Podcast. I'm just, I just did not expect Adrian Peterson to be a big part of this game plan. I thought, yeah, I, thought would- he would, I thought he would be, but then once I saw this, it didn't shock me. It- I thought going in, he he would be. I think I that they tried the, to use him. in fact, the Adrian Peterson hype machine of the offseason, in hindsight, but not, but we knew it then, is super funny. All of the uh, teammates saying, 
oh, man, I've never seen a beast like this guy in practice. He right. looks unreal. He looks like he's 10 years ago again. Like, okay, yeah, OTA training camp hype, and here we are. The guy's not even getting on the field. I've got but- a question for you, sir. Explain this. So I, I went and uh, went to the, uh, to the Saints locker room for the postgame. You went, as you often do, to the Vikings. Why would the defensive players not give you more meat on the bone about what was a really good performance? I thought those players would be dying to talk about red zone, about how they played, and you told me that they were basically giving you the old one-liner of, we just did our jobs. Last thing on Adrian Peterson, Vikings made the right decision. Oh, that's not even close. We already knew it. Yeah. But now we really I've know. Written that, I've written I've been right about that for months. We knew it. We all knew it. Now we really know. Anyway, I last thing, defense. I, I, I don't me. know, but I think more than anything, uh, maybe they didn't want to say specifically what their strategy was for shutting down New Orleans in the end zone. I mean, we get this a lot where you ask a good question, and I'm sure that if you turn the microphones off and the, the guy went into the film room with you, he'd say, oh, this is what happened, and he would know everything in the whole world that happened on all of those plays. Sure. But probably doesn't want to give anything away for next week when they face off with Ben Roethlisberger. I think that's part of it. I also think that when you do give up a good number of yards and a good number of opportunities, if New Orleans does what they normally do and punch those balls into the end zone or throw them into the end zone, this is either a super close game or a New Orleans win. I guess I would have to do the math on that. But if you if they scored on those three touchdowns, yeah. you would have been coming down to the end of that game with either New Orleans in the lead. I mean, who knows how it all plays out, but you're talking about a much, much different game. And I think if you're the Vikings defense, you're probably happy with winning. And when you're late in the game and you've given up 12 points to Drew Brees, you should feel really good. Sure. But you also know the reality that they did move the ball. And Trey Waynes today, I, I got this stat, that he was targeted 10 times, gave up nine receptions for 92 yards, including that big uh, bomb that he got a pass interference on. That's something that you might get a little concerned. I, I think the end result paints us toward feeling like this defense was completely dominant tonight. But maybe they would just consider themselves okay and that they kind of well, got away with one a little Wayne, bit. Those Wayne stats are, are downright concerning. Yes, they Not are. Not kind of concerning. Yes, they are. And it, it was interesting because they, they continued to run the, the rotation that they did last year as well because Newman started the game in nickel inside, which I really liked because uh, I thought that that would work. And Wayne's and I believe Rhodes were outside. So you say to yourself, okay, that's pretty good. And then we had the rotation begin where they all started to switch, and Alexander played inside a little bit and actually made, to his credit, McKenzie made a nice play in the end zone to break up a pass. Uh, but when you look at that statistic on Waynes, that's got to be something because Roethlisberger is going to look at that and be like, oh, okay, here we come. Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, Alexander probably doesn't play if Xavier Rhodes is okay through the whole game. He had, it was announced, some sort of heat illness and it was hot on the field before the game. I was down there for the Randy Moss thing, surprising children and talking with them deal, as exciting as that was. Yes. I mean, it's cool to see Randy Moss up close. But you were sweating down the field. But it was hot. Me? Yeah, it was hot down there. Did you cramp up a little bit? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I had to walk probably like 70 yards myself before I got oh to an elevator. Gosh. I was panting. No wonder you're so skinny. 
By the way, Drew Brees ends up with 291 yards, a touchdown, which was at the end, I know. Yeah, but garbage touchdown. He was still 27 for 37, 291 yards. It wasn't like they were just punting over and over and over again, and they were missing their weapons. The one thing that they did really well, Michael Thomas, who was early in the game tracked by Rhodes, but then when he went out, they had to deal with him a little differently. This is a guy who was spectacular last year, what, 92 catches in his rookie year? Yep. He ends up with five catches for 45 yards. I mean, you got to feel really good about the way they defended him. I just wonder with the defense, if they look at it as we're all saying, hey, you won, you didn't give up a lot of points. And they're thinking, uh, yeah, that's true, but there are still some things to worry about well, sure. because yeah. we allowed them to march all the way down into the red zone so many times. That's probably true. Uh, what what did we see from Anthony Bart tonight, too? I saw him make one play on a pass, which I think was a, a tackle for a loss of six yards or so. I expected to see him more, and I really didn't, though. That's And I'm not even saying that that's concerning, but it's just one factor. Coming off such a disappointing year after he had played so well the previous years, I thought that he would pop back up tonight. Collar, I saw him once, and I can't tell you another play that stands out in my mind that I saw him involved in tonight. Yeah, made the very nice play to shut down Kamara, and they didn't give up anything to New Orleans' rushing game. That. I know this, that if you let New Orleans rush the ball, you are just dead because then you're going to have to focus on their run game. And Linval Joseph was dominant early in this game. He was shutting down everything in the middle and that could play a role in the red zone too. He was absolutely phenomenal in this game, which helps everybody. And it makes it so Anthony Barr doesn't have to make too many plays. They attacked Ben Gideon once on a throw down the field and, it's a little concerning that ben Gideon, Gideon was on the field as much as he was. I was going to say, the Gideon factor is going to get dicey because every team that watches tape now is going to say, we can pick on him. Yes, because he is not good in coverage. You're going to have he wasn't to, in college. You're either going to have to adjust to that, and if you don't, you're going to get picked on pretty badly. But I did not notice New Orleans attacking Anthony Barr a lot. The other thing we've talked about it is Barr adjusting to rushing the passer. Did not do a lot of that tonight, but I didn't expect that. With Drew Brees playing quarterback, you have to rush him with four. You cannot blitz him. Sure. Because if you blitz him, he's going to pick you apart. Now, what they'll do in the future, and against Ben Roethlisberger, I guess we'll see. But as, as far as a first game, I, I'm going to have to go back and look at it to focus on him. Yep. But from just watching from my perception as the game has just ended, yep. I think he had a totally fine start and have made one very nice play. Watch this, too. I'm, I'm very curious to see, because we, we talked about this in, in the press box uh, in the opening quarter. I'm very curious to know if the Vikings tweaked some things quickly because the Saints came out their first drive or so and really started to exploit them. And I think you said to me, it's the Colts game plan. And early on it did. It looked like what Pagano and the Colts and Luck did last year here uh, to the Vikings. And I said to myself, oh, boy, this could be a problem. And the Vikings quickly diffused it and did a pretty good job. So they either adjusted or the Saints went or the Saints changed things up themselves. Uh, but that first drive or so, they were going basically with what the Colts did. And, of course, that worked spectacularly uh, for the Colts. And the Saints had some luck here early on. And then it was as if the Vikings woke up and started to uh, defend it better. And they were putting a fullback on the field running play action. They were putting an extra tight end on the field to draw Gideon in the game and then throw down the middle of the field to their tight end on that one play. 
that's what the Colts did last year. And it didn't surprise me at all to see that like, Hey, the, again, the third linebacker for the Vikings is not great in coverage. They replaced Chad Greenway spot with a younger Chad Greenway and Greenway got picked on a few times last year. Now we'll see how they adjust to it. And I do have a feeling that when I go back and look in the second half, I will find them continuing to play nickel against those situations. I think they did. I think you're right about that. The yes. amount of personnel changes that the Saints make, it just is incredible that they have so many different formations and so many different personnel groups. Sean groupings. Payton, man, he loves that stuff. Yeah, and it's and it's a big advantage for them. Um, let's play our game. Okay. I like to play this after every game. Just agree or disagree. I'm just going to throw out a couple of statements to you, and then that's all you got to say. I don't need big paragraphs. You don't need me to really elaborate. Yes. Okay. All right. Agree or disagree, Sam Bradford will be much more like this if it was a meter. If we there's a middle of the meter and then there's this is in the red okay. and all the way back in the red or green or whatever you want to call it. Okay. Okay. I'm not describing this well. Let's no. say Bradford versus the Lions is on one side. Okay. And Bradford tonight is on another side. Okay. I say this season he leans more toward performances like this and less toward what we saw last year, like on Thanksgiving Day, yeah, where he was checked down mania. I will agree with you on that. Latavius Murray will not play any role in this offense this season. I would agree on that, uh, of course, unless Cook gets hurt. But, yes, if Cook is healthy, in fact, he can play on third down, agree. Ben Roethlisberger will perform better with the Pittsburgh offense than New Orleans did tonight. Agree. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Saints, I don't get exactly what they were doing. I think they came out with the right game plan, and I'm not sure that they continued to execute that. The Vikings are good, but yes, I agree that Ben Roethlisberger will give the Vikings on the road more problems. Adrian Peterson is not on the New Orleans Saints roster week 17. Agree. Think so? You can't be yelling. he's gone? You can't be. He's not. You, you said, said it yourself. You're right. He's not important enough to be yelling at Sean Payton. Sean Payton doesn't need it. Mike Zimmer put up with that because he felt he had to. Sean Payton is going to say, you know what, buddy? Go join the Arizona Cardinals or something. Best opening performance that you've covered by the Vikings? Uh, disagree. No? What's the best? Uh, probably the best performance off the top of my head. Well, there have been a few that might uh, be above this because they were on the road. 2003, they opened at Green Bay. The reopening of Lambeau Field. They won there. Very impressive. 2006 in uh, Brad Childress's first game, the early game, just like tonight, Monday night game in Washington, beat the Redskins in Washington. So those two jumped to mind well, right I away. And then, of course, oh, 2009, Favre, Peterson in Cleveland obliterated the Browns. Well, I was going to say, let us not forget the magic of Sean Hill last season. Dropping dimes on deep balls to Stephon Diggs. Sean Hill. Sean Hill to this day says, why did you make me start that game? <laughs> I was supposed to be a backup. This was supposed to be an exhibition, and I was supposed to be a backup. I never agreed to start games. Okay, we'll catch you again soon. After I watch the tape, Judd, i got to break down the game tape. So what's our next Purple Podcast? Oh, I don't know. Oh, man, short week. Short week, Judd. We get no time off here. Oh, I hate short weeks. Thursday? Coaches hate short weeks. Sure, let's do Thursday. Okay, Thursday. Bye.